Well, good morning, everyone. Good morning. Good morning. All right. Uh, we're going to get in a word of prayer before we begin in our study in the book of James. Uh, so if you have your Bibles, you can open up to the book of James. But I'm just going to pray real quick for us. Lord God, we thank you uh, for uh, blessing us with a time of communion and remembering your sacrifice. Thank you for that. And we do pray now as we transition that you will prepare hearts to uh, hear from your text this morning in James. Uh, Lord, we pray for clarity of speech. Uh, help us to understand and apply this, Lord, important lesson in our lives. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, have you ever met someone who thought they knew it all? Maybe it was a believer. They were correct in all of their theology. I used to think like this. I, I used to be a false convert in high school uh, around age 13, 14. I, will tell, I would have told Jehovah's Witnesses, I'm going to convert you. Right? I was very uh, arrogant, uh, thinking that I knew it all. Um, you know, I thought I was saved. Uh, I thought I was so wise. Uh, well, the Lord humbled me. And when I really did get saved, and, and I saw all those sins that I was committing before and how proud I was, and, and the Lord's continually uh, humbling me even today. Today we're going to discuss uh, earthly wisdom. It's a two-part lesson, lesson 19 and 20. Uh, next week we're going to see heavenly wisdom. Uh, but we're in James chapter 3. If you remember, um, a couple weeks ago we were talking about how important the tongue is and how we are called to control it, right, if we are going to be a mature Christian. And so you may not think earthly wisdom connects with the tongue, but it does. If you look at James chapter 3, verse 1, you remember there that James is saying, Let not many of you become teachers, my brethren, knowing that such will incur a stricter judgment. And so this idea of maturity keeps popping up. There are many people in the early church that think they can be a teacher, they think they know it all. They think they're wise. And so uh, what, what is wrong with them? They are lacking true wisdom, heavenly wisdom. They're relying on earthly wisdom. And so today we're going to talk about how it can be so easy uh, to be a hypocrite. It can be so easy to think you know it all when you really don't. Um, and so we're going to look into uh, the... Verses ahead of us in James chapter 3, verses 13 to 16. And there's going to be a challenge, a big challenge that James gives us. Are you really wise and understanding like you think you are? We're going to see characteristics and the conclusion of counterfeit wisdom. And so why don't we go into our text, if you have it this morning. James chapter 3, verse 13. We're going to look at verses 13 to 14 uh, briefly. Let's see. It reads, you, who among you is wise in understanding? Let him show by his good behavior his deeds in the gentleness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your heart, do not be arrogant and so lie against the truth. And so within these verses, we're going to observe a challenge from James, commands to obey. And what does James do? He's going to go straight to the heart. Since he cares for those listening, uh, remember, he has this pastoral concern for his brothers in Christ. He doesn't want them to be deceived because many have been deceived during this time, thinking they're Christian, but then when the trials and the persecution comes, they cave in and they leave the faith. And so let's consider this challenge for us today. In verse 13, he starts with a question. Who among you is wise 
and understanding. And so I want you to really think about this, right? James would want his audience to think about it. Are you wise and understanding? In other words, do you think you're mature in the faith? Are you a real Christian? If you look back in James chapter 1, verse 5, there he says, If anyone lacks wisdom, let him act of God, who gives generously to all without reproach. And so there's this, um, there's this hand in hand with wisdom and maturity. If you're lacking in wisdom, right, you're not perfect and complete. You need to grow. And so that is what we're seeing here throughout the book of James. Colossians 1 verse 28 also links wisdom and maturity. It says, We proclaim him, admonishing every man and teaching every man with all wisdom, so that we may present man complete in Christ. So there's that key word again, complete. Uh, In James, it's perfect and complete. Uh, They go hand in hand. It's about maturity. And so Paul there in Colossians wants to present all men complete before Christ, right? Mature. And so he does this by teaching them with all wisdom. And we'll see that that's uh, good biblical wisdom. Um, But what do we learn from James so far, right? That's Paul. What about James? In verses 1, 2, 3, 4, we see that James is saying that the trials, the testing produces endurance in your faith, right? And, And you're called to let this endurance have its perfect work so that you may be mature and complete. And so let's ask ourselves that question. Am I wise? Am I understanding? Many of James' listeners thought they were, but they're about to get a wake-up call. And so I want you to give me an example from the Bible of someone who thought they were so wise and understanding, but ends up getting rebuked or corrected. Who can you think of? Someone from the Bible who thought they were wise and understanding, but they really weren't. Peter, thank you. That's the one I was thinking of. Why, Why Peter? What did he do? He was boasting uh, uh-huh. that he would always follow Christ and always obey him. Okay, that was good. I was thinking of another one. Nice. Anyone else? Someone who thought they were wise and understanding, but they were foolish. Yeah. Oh, okay. How, how so? Mm. Yeah, we could easily defend ourselves and think, why are you letting this happen? I've been so good, Lord. Right? Yeah, but no, that's, that could be a foolish thing. Did you have one? Yeah. He also Peter when they came to arrest Jesus. Mm. So he had to stand up with the sword. And protect them or something like that. Oh, yeah. He didn't. Yeah, he, Jesus was like, I could have brought a legion of angels, right? And protect, like, come on. Like, we should know that. Um, good. Well, my, my example, I was thinking of, of Peter as well, when Jesus says, get behind me, Satan, right? Because he's, like we were talking about during communion, he's set, ready to go to the cross, and Peter's like, never, never that. And Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. Um, and so throughout the book of James, we see this, right? People are being deceived. They're, they're saying foolish statements like, God is the source of temptation, right? If I'm being tempted, it's God's fault. No, no, no. We see also um, in... Uh, chapter 2, verse 3, where people thought they were so wise when they were saying, well, the poor people got to be in the back. The rich people got to be in the front, right? No, they were being foolish. And so we have this challenge 
And now we have this imperative. And so you can go back to James chapter 3. Look at verse uh, 13 there. He brings it up in this passage right after the challenge. Okay, so you think you're wise and understand it. Prove it, right? Prove it. Show it by your good works. And so in James chapter 2, verse 18, he made a similar statement. Look at James chapter 2, 18. But someone may well say, you have faith and I have works. Again, same word here. Show me your faith without the works, and I will show you my faith by my works. And so true believers conduct themselves in a good manner. They are godly. They have this good behavior like you read in James chapter 3, verse 14. And so there's this evidence to their faith right, that they claim to hold. You can tell that they have been changed. Um, and so why don't you give me some examples in the Bible of some good Christians or some Christians that have truly been changed, right? We did bring up Peter. We know that he eventually changes his ways, but yeah, Paul. Paul's a prime example. Um, persecuting the church, uh-huh. Well, well, Jesus, uh, we know that uh, he was perfect and sinless, um, wasn't foolish. So, we have two examples in, in the book of James. Who are those good examples that he gives us of living faith? Abraham, Abraham and? Isaac. No, Rahab. So we need to uh, keep in mind um, the context of the, of the book of James, right? And so he already gave us these two examples, right? A patriarch of the faith and, and a prostitute, but she obviously loves the Lord and is transformed and obeys um, the Lord. So yeah, very good examples here for us to consider. And so he continues in verse 13, and he states, in the gentleness of wisdom, right? So next week, we're going to discuss this at at great length right now. Today, we're focusing on earthly wisdom. But um, we're going to see that there's many characteristics of heavenly wisdom. Uh, And so uh, the idea here, uh, when you read gentleness, it's humility, right? It's meekness, right? Blessed are those... Uh, who are meek for they shall inherit the earth, right? Connecting that back to the Sermon on the Mount. Um, and if you read James 1.21, this is how we are to receive the word of God in humility. And so our Christian life begins by humbling ourselves before God in his word, and it continues in humility as we grow in God's word. We observe how humility and wisdom go hand in hand. So I want you to look with me to Proverbs 11. I think this will be a key verse for us. Proverbs 11, verse 2. If you got it, say amen. All right, I'll give you a little time there. All right. So we have the contrast between the righteous and the wicked. Look at verse 2 of chapter 11. It says, when pride comes, then comes dishonor. But with the humble is wisdom. All right, and so we see there the connection between uh, those that are proud and dishonor, but then the connection between humility and wisdom. One more, look at uh, Proverbs 13 uh, and verse 10. Again, another contrast between the righteous and the wicked. Proverbs 13. 13, verse 10. Through insolence comes nothing but strife. But wisdom is with those who receive counsel. And so maybe you think, I don't need counsel. I don't need accountability. I got this. 
right? Very proud. Um, probably going to be someone who's full of strife, like very disagreeable, all that. But if you're willing to get wisdom, you're willing to get counsel, it shows that you're, you're wise. So uh, we see that connection with humility and wisdom. But we're going to continue this next week, right? This is just a little appetizer, um, but we'll talk about that next week. Um, but I just wanted you to notice here that he's referring to true wisdom. Um, and so the challenge for us is to think about, do we really have this wisdom or are we deceiving ourselves? All right, let's continue here. James, uh, verse 14, he continues to expose those that have, uh, that really think they're wise but are not, right? He's going to expose them. Ever, ever felt exposed before? I don't know about you. Um, when someone told you, hey, man, you're doing this and you shouldn't be doing it. Or maybe when you pass a red light, you feel like, oh, man, I got exposed here. Maybe the cop's going to come and get me. Um, look at verse 14. I, I really like James. Very blunt. Just, But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your heart, do not be arrogant and so lie against the truth. And so he does something very similar to James chapter 2, verse 9. In James chapter 2, verse 9, He's talking about the royal law, right? If you fulfill the law, um, you do well. And what is that? To love your neighbor as yourself. And then he says, but if you show partiality, you're breaking the law. And so we see that here he does something very similar. He uses the same words there too, uh, but if. And so here he gave us what true wisdom looks like, right? The gentleness, the humility. And now he's saying, but if you have this, then you're not really uh, wise, Uh, And so there's this contrast we want to notice. He says, if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition. Uh, So true wisdom, it doesn't have these sins associated uh, with it, this bitter jealousy. Um, And what is that? This is a kind of envy that seeks the best for oneself, right? It's all about me. It's uh, If I'm not getting something out of this, then I I don't want to do this, right? Uh, So... It, it, it's not going to be the good for other people. It's going to be the good for me. It's actually wishing that others had less than yourself, um, whether it be possessions or opportunities. In a group setting, uh, bitter jealousy may manifest a fierce desire to promote one's own opinion. Right. So maybe in your, in your room, uh, in a group project, whatever it might be, there's like 10 guys, and there's that one guy that's got to voice their opinion and talk the whole time, and everyone else says, uh-huh, okay, when's it going to be my turn? Nope, it never comes. 60 minutes pass and that same guy is talking because he doesn't care about what you think. Uh, he's, he's so focused on himself, right? Um, and so can someone give me an example of bitter jealousy? Bitter jealousy. From the Bible? Uh, sure, yeah. A- any, yeah, that's, yeah, no, I have one from the Bible, yeah. But bitter jealousy. So not just jealousy, um, like a zeal, like I really want this. It's, it's more of a bitter jealousy, right? It's a, it's a wrong, it's a sinful type of jealousy. Yeah. Oh. Cain, yeah, yeah. So Cain, um, yeah, first example of bitter jealousy. He killed his own brother. Uh-huh. Did you, you have the same one? Uh, Joseph's brothers. Joseph's brothers, yeah. Okay, yeah. What, what was going on there with Joseph's brothers? They were jealous that they didn't get the coping from their father. Oh, man, yeah. Has anyone ever felt like that? Maybe you weren't the fairest child growing up? <laughs> it's like, oh, why does they get, they always get the nice things, and I get the leftovers. Also, uh, he saw he was, he was jealous of David. 
You took my example. Nice. Yes, right? He was about to kill him a couple times. And, you know, the women were like, Saul's killed his thousands, but, you know, David is tens of thousands. Um, a group, not, not, a, not a person. Okay. Pharisees. Yes, that is the prime example, right? They kill Jesus. I mean, come on. The, the perfect, sinless son of God, and you kill him. Um, wow. Yeah, they were jealous because... All the crowds are following after Jesus. They're going to lose their money. They're going to lose their popularity and fame. And of course, um, yeah, they, they were jealous. Good. All right, so they have these wrong motives. These people are the opposite of humble, right? They have selfish ambition. And they're ready to disagree and break the family of Christ apart. They want the church to run a certain way, and they leave as soon as change doesn't happen. Maybe these people don't like others in the church if they're not rich or dressed in a certain way that they prefer, right? They're ready to fight. Life is all about them. And so I want you to just picture people in angry competition, undermining one another, and each fighting for their own rights, right? It reminds us of the political debates that are going on right now. Uh, people just can't wait to, you know, tell them something and, and make them look bad in front of the crowd, right? Right? So yeah, bitter jealousy. There's conflict, there's strife, there's no contentment there. And so James mentions here, you could easily overlook it in verse 14. He says, but uh, if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your heart, right? So these sins are found in the heart, uh, bitter jealousy and selfish ambition. And so what does James do? He goes back to the main idea. If you remember in James chapter 126, he talks about if anyone thinks himself to be religious and yet does not bridle his tongue, what happens there? He's deceiving his own heart, right? Their uh, religion is worthless. And so James is concerned with this spiritual state of believers, right? The heart. What is going on there? Are they truly who they say they are or are they hypocrites? And so have they been deceived to believe that, you know, I really am a true Christian, but they're showing a life pattern of bitter jealousy and selfish ambition, right? It demonstrates that they're false converts. And so we see this theme of deception again because James really cares about these people. He doesn't let this go. It's so important that people take a good look at themselves, right? Self-examination is crucial. And so maybe you know someone. Have you ever met someone that ended up being a false convert? You don't have to say their name, but, but someone maybe in your life, you grew up with them, and, you know, they, they left the faith, right? They were a false convert. Anyone, has anyone experienced that? Am I the only one? Oh, you, you got one? And it's sad, right? Because you, you see that maybe they're in their time, uh, there was a time where they would go to church, read their Bible, say amen, sing, um, or even lead a Bible study. And, and they're no longer walking with the Lord. They are... Um, you know, uh, they're going their own way, right? They're, they're, and, and I remember a couple uh, people I grew up um, that uh, they are no longer walking with the Lord. And so um, you can get into the whole like First John 2.19 that they were never of us. But the thing I'm trying to just get us to think about is that this truly happens, right? There are such things as false converts. So it's important to have some self-examination and you don't want to live a lie your whole life. All right, so we continue with some more imperatives here, right? Do not be arrogant and so lie against the truth. There are some commentators that say this goes together. Uh, the main point is that uh, don't lie that you say you're wise and understanding, right? You're lying uh, about that. Um, 
And so uh, the gist of this is people can be so prideful uh, when they say they are something they are not, right? You can't be wise and understanding, though, if you're jealous and selfish. Uh, so this rebuke is much needed for those who think they are wise when they are not. They, they think they're mature, but they're immature, right? And so this word for arrogance, again, we're going to see it in James chapter 4, verse 16, about those who boast about their plans that are in the coming year, right? They can't wait to make a lot of money. Uh, back then, you know, it was all about uh, trading. Uh, and so um, they're looking for, or so think about it in the stock market today. They're just, yes, the, you know, um, this stock market's going to be good and, and I got to invest in this stock and it's going to look, next year I'm going to make about this much. I, I was talking to a guy who I bought the car from. He was in stocks and he was saying, I made about, you know, 2000 in one day, just like that. And it was just like, whoa, okay. But there are people that really plan out this course of life, like they're going to continue in year 2024, 25, 26, because they're thinking, I'm going to make so much money. And then what happens? You know, their last day. It could be their last day. And so they act like they're in control, but we know God is. And so they need this wake-up call. Today can be their last day. And so it's important for us to think about, you know, what's the last time you thought about that? Today could be my last day, right? I want to also point out that uh, he brings up the sin of lying. I think this sin doesn't get much, um, doesn't get talked about much. Uh, but if you look throughout the Bible, we see that God hates this sin. Um, I was reading uh, in Reflections uh, in the book of Revelation uh, in, in verses 8. Uh, and then if you continue in Revelation 21, 8, and then so on, 17, and then the next chapter, there's just this, who are not going to be in the kingdom of God? Those who are liars, right? And then you continue um, who are going to be outside of the kingdom? Those that uh, love to practice, you know, lying. And it's an abomination, all these different things. And it's just like, whoa, this sin is really one of those things that show if you're a true Christian, you know. Uh, if, you, if you lie all the time, it shows there's something wrong in your heart. You, you, you're not an honest person. You're someone um, who's hiding, right, and is lying all the time. And so uh, we need to really think about this uh, sin here because, yes, all liars will have their part in the lake of fire. One last observation here. James uses the word truth again. Right? The last time he used this word was in James 1.18 with the word of truth. And so hypocrites go against the word of God when they act like they're wise and understanding but are truly deceived. Right? They are sinning uh, by saying that they are wise when they are not. All right. Any questions or comments about uh, hypocrisy or the sins of arrogance and lying? Maybe you've been uh, convicted about these sins in the past. Any comments or questions? Yep. Question. Um, it's a sin to lie, obviously, but is it also a sin to believe a lie? To believe a lie? Yeah. Can you, can you explain that? What do you mean? Like, to, um, I suppose, not do your due diligence and investigate a claim and then just kind of buy it and just start living by it and, um, um, you know, just kind of going along with, I suppose, the, whatever the culture is saying. Oh, I see what you're saying. Okay, okay. So, yeah, like, there's different examples. Um, you know, you can get into, like, science or, like, the first one I come up with is, is like, maybe not believing that the baby is a baby in the womb. You know, I think that's a, you know, that's a lie a lot of people fall into. Um, yeah, I, I do believe Satan is out there to deceive, um, and there are many people of the world 
Uh, and we'll get into that in a little bit later. Uh, but there are many people in the world that are just a bunch of liars and they just want others to believe their lie. And it's so easy to fall into that as well. I think it's, it's part of checking ourselves if we're in the Word of God. Because if you're in the Word of God, you're more likely not to be deceived by some of those lies. So, now, a good example. All right, some applications I just want us to consider here. Um, true wisdom displays good works. Is there evidence of humility in my life or am I a hypocrite? I think this is really important for us to think about um, because a lot of us can say, I am wise, I am understanding, when we're being a hypocrite or we're not displaying humility in our lives. Um, so very crucial there. And the second one is arrogance is evidence of earthly wisdom, right? Have I been arrogant lately? And let's be honest, all of us could fall into this, right? When we think we know what's going to happen and, and I got this, I could do this, you know, and we're reminded, wait up, um, these talents, these abilities, these gifts really are from God. So the only reason why I'm able to do anything is because God's given me strength and the grace for me to continue. Um, and so we need to remember that, right? We need accountability, um, rather than arrogance. Let's continue here with our last couple of verses in James chapter 3, verse 15. So after the challenge, James will now give us key characteristics of this type of wisdom unbelievers have. He also shares the conclusion of counterfeit wisdom. It doesn't have a good ending. So look at here, verse 15. This wisdom is not that which comes down from above, but is earthly, natural, demonic, for where jealousy and selfish ambition exists, there is disorder and every evil thing. So the first thing I want you to observe in verse 15 is that this type of wisdom doesn't even have a name, right? James says that this wisdom is that which does not come from above. And so the term wisdom is reserved for God's gift. The other so-called wisdom is never referred to with a noun. It's just called, yeah, that wisdom, that's not this wisdom, right? And so we know from James 1.17, Every good thing and every perfect gift comes from above, coming down from the Father of lights. And so this wisdom, and the main idea here is that it does not come from God, which means it can't be good. And so what are some characteristics of fake wisdom? Earthly, natural, demonic. Let's look at the first one here, these key words that James gives us. Earthly. We already know that it doesn't come from God. Right? But where does it come from? This type of wisdom is earthly or weak. It has in mind the wisdom of the world. And so we can see a little bit of this in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. You can go there. 1 Corinthians. Paul kind of gives it more of a name here. But 1 Corinthians chapter 2, 6 to 8. It says, yet we do speak wisdom among those who are mature, a wisdom, however, not of this age, nor of the rulers of this age who are passing away, but we speak God's wisdom in a mystery, the hidden wisdom which God predestined before the ages to our glory, the wisdom which none of the rulers of this age has understood, for if they had understood it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. And right, so here he's implying that there's a wisdom of this age. Uh, in 1 Corinthians one twenty one. Uh, he says that there's this worldly wisdom that Greeks search for, right? And so this type of wisdom is that which shuts out God. It limits its scope to the things of this earth. And remember, the gospel is foolishness to those who are perishing. So one of the things I thought about were atheists, right? They think they know it all, and they seem really wise, 
but they deny the creator of the universe. And we've got to speed up a little bit here. So the last, uh, or the second one here is, uh, the characteristic of fake wisdom is, it's natural, right? It's similar to what Paul mentions in 2 Corinthians 1.12. So just a book to your right there, 2 Corinthians 1.12. It says, For our proud confidence is that the testimony of our conscience, that in holiness and godly sincerity, not in fleshly wisdom, but in the grace of God we have conducted ourselves in the world, and especially toward you, right? So there he labels it fleshly wisdom. And so this idea here is that this type of wisdom is without the Spirit, right? It's not supernatural. Again, the main idea is that it doesn't come from God, right? It doesn't come from the Spirit. And so those with this natural wisdom can be any human you can think of, right? Um, You know, we brought up the Pharisees, but that's probably a prime example. They have this human wisdom, this natural wisdom. They seem they're so wise, but they really aren't, Um, But then we have those who have the supernatural wisdom, right? The ones that have the Spirit of God living in them. So you can think of Paul, Peter, obviously uh, the people the Lord used to write the Scriptures. They had this supernatural wisdom, uh, not this natural or fleshly wisdom. And then lastly, is uh, James tells us this type of wisdom is demonic, right? So this wisdom is demon-inspired, not spirit-inspired. If you remember a couple weeks ago, we spoke about how the tongue... Um, it is uh, a tongue that is set on fire by hell. And, and so the tongue can be a tool in Satan's hands for chaos if we let him, right? Well, when we act in pride, thinking we're so wise and understanding when we're not, we're acting like Satan's children. Remember, that's what Jesus said of the Pharisees in John eight forty four. He told them, you belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, and he does not stand in the truth because there's no truth in him. Whenever he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own nature, for he's a liar and the father of lies. And so I want you to observe how this type of wisdom is found in the Antichrist and apostates. So uh, 2, Thessalonians, um, 2 Thessalonians 2 Verses 9 to 10. If you got it, say amen. All right. Speeding up here. All right. So, it's talking about the Antichrist, but we're just going to look at verses 9 to 10 here. It says, that is the one who coming in accord with the activity of Satan, with all the power and signs and false wonders, and with all the deception of wickedness for those who perish, because they did not receive the love of the truth as so as to be saved. And so it's very interesting to think of that when the Antichrist comes, the whole world is going to fall in love with him, right? He's going to seem so wise. He's going to solve the world's worst problems you can think of. Any crisis going on, he's got the answer. He's so smart, uh, but we know that's that demonic wisdom that he's going to have, the, the type that deceives. And if you read 1 Timothy 4, 1, you're going to see there many will fall away, right? They're going to believe these doctrines of demons, right? They're going to be deceived with these lies. They're going to reject God's good gifts, right? It says there in 1 Timothy that they're going to forbid marriage. And, and so um, people who leave the faith will show that they never had this true faith, right? They're going to go into believing these false um, beliefs from these demons, ultimately. And so, 
They will long for this demonic wisdom and they're going to think they have it all figured out when they clearly are going to go against God's word. All right, so we're almost finishing up here. Uh, James repeats himself in verse 16. Uh, He says, For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there is disorder in every evil thing. And so uh, we see that uh, he gives us those reminders of this is what it looks like, this false fake wisdom, to be jealous and having this uh, selfish ambition. Um, and again, this is a person that promotes strife, right? They, they like the conflict. They like the drama. They want the church to split up for even a small little issue. And so this is a reminder um, that it's going to set up James chapter 4, verses 1 to 3, with quarrels, right? Uh, talking there about um, there's conflicts among you. Why? And it's because you have this envy in you, this lust in you. You're envious and you're, and you're ready to murder and, and destroy others because you're so proud. Um, and so here comes the conclusion of wisdom. Because of all these things, uh, the conclusion or what happens to those that are so um, uh, following this earthly and natural and demonic wisdom, the conclusion is disorder. Right? The same root in the Greek is found in James chapter 1, verse 8 with unstable and James chapter 3, verse 8 with uncontrollable. Right? So there's similar words here. Um, it's talking about that double-minded man that is tossed and driven by the wind. Right? So it's also talking about that uncontrollable tongue or dog, if you want to picture it that way, in a cage that is ready to come out and bite and attack. Uh, And so this type of wisdom is chaos. It's a plane with much turbulence. It's anarchy in a country. And you can't say anything good about it, right? Only evil and wickedness. Where wickedness dwells, wickedness flourishes. So um, this is the opposite of what a true believer should look like uh, that has real wisdom, right? We read that they have good works uh, in gentleness, but not in false wisdom, right? Their final destination uh, for those with this type of wisdom, is the lake of fire that burns with uh, brimstone. And so the last thing I want to bring up in our text here is uh, the last word there. It says every evil thing, um, also translated deed or lawsuit. And so what James might be having in mind, uh, if you remember in verses chapter 2, verse 6, uh, he discussed about those who oppress the believers by dragging them to court. And so people with this type of wisdom will participate in bad works, right? In injustice, and God's going to hold them accountable. All right, some applications here just because we're running out of time. Uh, We know that fake wisdom is earthly, natural, and demonic. And so we need to ask ourselves, is there evidence of disorder or evil that I promote, right? Yes, we need to see if we have true wisdom, but we also need to see, is there examples of maybe false wisdom that we're, like Evan said, believing the lie? And lastly, jealousy and selfish ambition are evidence that someone is not mature or wise, right? Have I been selfish lately? Um, You know, maybe there's a need in our church you could fill and you have some time. We should look into that, right? Uh, We're called to be servants, not selfish. In conclusion, we learn that James gave a challenge to the early church. Are you wise? Okay, prove it. If we are true believers, our lifestyle will demonstrate good works for Jesus. But there are people that are false converts, right? Unbelievers who think they are wise, but they are not. They are hypocrites. They are 
They have this counterfeit wisdom that is earthly, natural, and demonic. If they continue in this wisdom, their conclusion will be deadly. It will end with disorder and evil, and it will cause great damage to the church. And so we need to check ourselves before we wreck ourselves. Um, 